If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Right, before we continue uh, with the juicy content that we have lined up for you today So juicy I'm going to do a little advert An advert for us An advert for our Patreon Drum You should become a patron because it's the coolest club in town And I love being a member of gangs uh, If you are a member of that gang, you get all sorts of cool shit You get to listen to our episode weekly Two days early Uh huh You get extra bonus episodes Yep Uh If you give us more money Then you get But hang on Hang on Hang stuff. on Order now And we will also throw in A discount To the live event That's to coming To our up. live event I was getting right event. into that Chris <laughs> You don't watch enough QVC But yeah we occasionally do Live shows And In a couple of weeks On Sunday the Something of November <laughs> uh, Sunday the 24th of November In Glasgow In Glasgow uh, The Flying Duck Flying We Duck. are going to be doing a live mixtape Where each of us are going to bring an album of a genre uh, We're going to talk about the genre in depth And that genre is going to be pop punk I mean fucking hell Helvin hell buzz Mark has had a little pop oh. punk boner for about a month since we announced it Mark's had a pop punk boner since he could, get, yeah, since <laughs> since he could get boners <laughs> um, So it's going to be really fun, there's going to be some live entertainment I think it's uh, £5 normally, but if you're a Patreon subscriber uh, You get a little cheeky wee discount there um, So we basically so, give you your money back Yeah, yeah exactly basically, yeah. <laughs> um, So yeah, come along, it'll be fun um, And you, you can, can shout at us, you, you can, can heckle. heckle us live And if you time it well, I will be unable to cut it out of the edit and you will be captured for posterity in our back catalogue well if that isn't selling <laughs> something then I don't know what is most creative heckle gets a pint yeah thrown that's at yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, alright so yeah go to patreon.com forward slash unsung pod uh, and sign up to whatever level of tax that uh, you are comfortable with and even if you don't do that come and see us yeah, yeah just come see us yeah try before you buy mm-hmm yeah, he'll be fine. Well, buy, then try, and then buy some more. Hello, chaps. <laughs> Hello there Governor Governor how, how are we? How are we all? I'm very well, thank you uh, Chris Recovering You're recovering You went to Italy And spent most of it hungover <laughs> bef- From a night that you had in Glasgow Before you went to Italy <laughs> It doesn't happen often But I was in a bad shape You had a bad shape. I've only got myself yeah. to blame um, yeah. Kind of kicking myself a wee bit as well So you turned 38 And then you took like years off your life <laughs> It, well, you just took one more year off my life because I turned 39. I thought you were 38. 
Fuck, sorry man. He's got a very youthful face. Does. So tell me about it, man. God. But yeah, I mean, I, I managed to have a good time. The food is fantastic. Mm-hmm. The city of Bologna is wonderful. Yeah, Bologna. Uh, Bologna. Um, and I, I mean, I can't complain. I, I really, I, I just have to take some lessons from the experience and remember why it is that I am such a lightweight. Well, yeah. I mean, don't drink so much. You get myself probably a good start. Yeah, it's probably the beginning of the story. You know that thing where everybody's like, my drink was spiked. <laughs> I, I think somebody spiked my Jägermeister with Jägermeister. Yeah. There were five Jägermeisters in my one Jägermeister. Uh, Mark, how have you been? Uh, I've been okay. I have a bit of a cold, which sucks. I, I have been chilling out. I'm going to Manchester this coming Saturday. Um, Who are you going to see, see Mark? Hot, hot water music. Mm. Or if you hear this on the Monday, I've been to Manchester and I've seen hot water music. You know what you well, should I have hope done? it was swell. Yeah, you should have leveraged our episode against a freebie. I should have. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Man. Did it get voted in? It got voted in. It did get voted in, yeah. yeah. Uh, I also uh, did one of the most middle class things I've ever done and I bought a Simba mattress, which comes tomorrow. Oh, mate, I'm with you. Last Christmas, uh, I just told my folks to spend uh, a small fortune on a really fancy pillow mm. and it's one of the best things I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for my uh, birthday last year, I asked for uh, a good set of pans. There we go. That's yeah. us, eh? It's <laughs> great being in your 30s. I fucking you know, love there's, it. There's people out there doing podcasts who are hitting it big time at the weekends, yep. crazy rock and roll stories. They're basically in death's door. Mm. Um, that's not us. Well, I know it's yesterday it was 10 years since I started my old podcast and live thing, uh, DJ. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. Uh, and I was talking about it and I used to... You were more interesting then. I was drunker (laughs) constantly, but I used to work in Inverness, get a train down at four o'clock, arrive at block on a Wednesday, put on the gig from nine till three, DJ, get fucking hammered, then go back to my pal's flat, party until about half five, sleep on the floor for 45 minutes, (laughs) then go get a train back to Inverness that left at 6.55, get into Inverness at 10 and then go to work. And, uh... That was unsustainable. Do you think, <laughs> <laughs> no shit. Do you think? Do you think you were good at your job? Um. Well, my boss left, and I ended up being the only person that worked for that company. <laughs> <laughs> you were both so, the best and worst employee. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, it was great. Um. But anyway, Did yeah, we're all years off your now. life. That sounds like I've been taking years off your life. Oh, absolutely. I've not got long left, to be honest. <laughs> when did you start drinking? When I was thirteen. Mm. Wow, it's the Highlands. Nothing else to do. I heard. I, I didn't yeah. know you at this time, but um, a friend of mine who I, I play in a band with now, um, and is a friend of Chris's, <laughs> uh, and works in a, a place that we all go to a lot. Yeah, he also uh, got horribly fucked yeah. up at the weekend. <laughs> uh, we're saying that you used to fucking love Bucky. I used to see you drinking all the time. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know you at this point. I so. used to like my blood type was Buckfast. <laughs> uh, yeah. When me and my cousin used to DJ with Buckfast, we'd get through between two and three bottles in a night wow it's a lot of product placement so, in tonight's episode that is incredible yeah. well uh, to counteract that um, my dad when I was just i just turned 12 I was maybe even 11 but i just turned 12 I think and he gave me a can a 500 milliliter can of K-Cider which oh I remember that one of those that know is about 8.4% yeah sure and I, I remember I sat down on my floor in my room against the radiator because you know, I had a radiator in my wall and it was nice and cosy and I, I remember as I worked my way down the can the room slowly tilting through <laughs> 90 degrees <laughs> until I was lying perfectly uh, sideways on the floor with a can empty uh, giggling like crazy that was oh. my first experience of getting drunk what a dream wow. yeah Wow. Funnily enough, last night I was at a, th- uh, a gig where I don't think anybody was drunk. Steve Housefield at the Hug and Pint, a mm-hmm. friend of the podcast, uh, Ben Power was there. Uh, mm-hmm. Ben, aka Blank Mass. Yeah, he uh, passed out in the couch that you were sitting at. Well, do you know what? I think he was ready for getting pretty <laughs> fucked up when I met him. But uh, it was hilarious. So the man, Steve Housefield, he used to be in a band called Emeralds, and it's just very ambient. Really, but it's the, really cool. I am 100% nominating one of their records. Oh, Emeralds are fucking great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was thinking about that as well. But yeah, I, I've never seen such a specific demographic in one room. <laughs> it was 55 to 62-year-old men <laughs> who spend 38% of their income on modular synths. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. It was fucking brilliant. Definitely. Uh, but yeah, that was fun. Uh, so anyway, today, what are we doing today? Oh, it's my turn. Yeah, it's your turn. <laughs> yes, it's dude, my don't turn. fucking look at me, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had to try and memorise it. Uh, yeah, it's been a little while since we did a hip-hop record, uh-huh. and funnily enough, it's it's 
It's nearly the end of the decade, guys. Have you noticed that? Yeah, it's fucking terrifying. Oh, it's actually crazy. Um, well, AV Club are doing a really good series of articles just now on like the 2010s. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, a lot of the stuff's pretty interesting. And it's, it feels like just yesterday, a lot of it. Yeah. Which is kind of terrifying. I know. Well, popping up on the occasional best of 20... What What is it? The 2010s? Mm-hmm. List of like underrated hip hop records and hip hop records you might have missed, and uh, hip hop artists that are, are still underground and should be bigger is uh, this chap called Billy Woods. Broke up on impact, I swam from the wreckage, all on the water, oceans of fire, township necklace. Sink or swim now, big waves, I hit them like Al, Wingate, lit em. And specifically, this album called "History Will Absolve Me." Although there's another, there's another record or two that do pop up on the lists, but um, I've gone for this one because it's the one when it came out. I really got into, and I think it's is well. We'll discuss it. I think it's his most um, his clearest work. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Billy Woods. He's not the Billy Woods who DJs in Glasgow all the time uh, at the Berkeley Suite. <laughs> at the Berkeley Suite, uh, just like that time, my pal was in a taxi and we were going to see Danny Brown. Mm. And the taxi man says, "Danny Brown, he's fake govern." Here, I've got to see him. Uh, well, that's him. Uh, but yeah, so Billy Woods. Did either have either of you heard of him before? I have not heard of him. Is, is, <laughs> that, is that rhetorical? <laughs> um, I don't know why I hadn't heard of him before. Yeah, um, well, very- that's it. He seems to like sort of slip underneath the radar a lot of the time. He's never, you know, signed a major. He's never had any like big hits. Yeah, it's interesting. So looking at his background, a bit about him, he was uh, born in Washington D.C. And his mother was from the West Indies. Jamaican. and uh, An English lit professor. And then his dad was from Zimbabwe. and Rhodesia. Rhodesia. Well, exactly. And he was a Marxist. Yes, indeed. Um, which I think maybe shapes his philosophy down the line. Well, yeah, I mean, his dad's uh, career uh, in, in politics played a big part in his childhood as well as his own beliefs. Yeah, so they moved back to uh, Rhodesia, a.k.a. Zimbabwe, in 1980. 81. Um, <laughs> thanks. <Fuck> <laughs> I'm telling you, man, because I have so little to contribute to the genre, I, I have to memorise the little uh, Well, do you want to give me some more uh, minute details about his upbringing then? Yeah, his father died in 1994, mm-hmm. um, and they returned to the United States. Uh, they moved about a diaspora of quite a big family uh, in that interim period. Uh, his dad went back to Rhodesia, which was becoming Zimbabwe once the peace talks started. Uh, he was a bit of a an, a devotee of uh, Mr. Robert Mugabe. Mm-hmm. Um, Robert Mugabe uh, forms the cover art, controversially, uh, yeah. uh, forms the cover art of this album. Just a big goddamn portrait of him. Uh, and uh, the title, History Will Absolve Me, is a quote from a Castro speech. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, history, by the way, didn't absolve him. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, the, he's a, he makes a lot of literary references in, in his work and he, he says he obviously gets a lot of that via his mum. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, I was listening to some interviews, he seems, seems like a really nice guy and he's even though some of his rhetoric seems a bit blunt, when you actually hear him talking, he, he's, he's a very nuanced thinker. Famously, he doesn't ever show his face. Yeah, uh, there's like ve- very few, if any, like they're, they're official just, portraits of him. Any pictures of him are, that you can see him are candid ones. They're not actually like approved, mm. like publicly approved ones at all. He, he kind of pixelates them out or takes them in ways that you just can't make anything out. Um, he makes yeah. reference to that in one of the songs of this record as well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Um, and he said he has had pressure to try and bring his face out that people like managers and advisors and friends and fans and enthusiasts um, have suggested to him that maybe that gimmick is holding him back a little bit you know the the lack of identifiability mm-hmm. relatability and he said he's just going to pers- persevere with it you know he's like look if it, if it works if, if, if this pans out and it's something bigger great if it doesn't pan out and it's something bigger then at least I failed on my own terms um, so yeah. that's that's kind of I a mean it's worked out alright for Boreal so but I mean in the, the world of hip hop I think you can see a lack of identity and a lack of a sort of visible personality would definitely hold you back mm-hmm. well it also means that kind of leads a bit to like almost a lack of bling you know yeah. and, and in, in the rap and hip hop world that lack of like ostentatious grandstanding that comes from keeping yourself out of the product if you if you will you know yeah. the, the overall artistic product um, is quite counterintuitive 
for for that style of music. Um, and it, well, yeah, I mean, you compare this to Atrocity Exhibition by Danny Brown, which we did a couple of months ago, and I mean, Danny Brown talks about himself a lot. Yeah, uh, and Billy Woods doesn't necessarily talk about himself. He talks first person quite a lot, but it's quite often you're unsure if it's a character that he's talking about or, you know, if he's um, narrating a story. Yeah, when he does talk about himself, it's more about his sort of his experiences rather than... Yeah, he's um, he's actually... That uh, that interview he does with Open Mike Eagles is good. It's on Mike Eagles' podcast. And he's got some really interesting reflections on his his childhood as well, growing up in the young Zimbabwe. He said that a lot of it was actually very similar to to growing up in a sort of, Mm -hmm. you know, lower middle class or upper working class uh, Western country at times because the political situation and the economy at that time was still quite stable. A lot of the infrastructure was still there. Uh, the, The decay hadn't really set in as the folks that had taken power who really were underqualified to have power mm-hmm. or didn't have the necessary help that they should have had as well, given the attitude of the British as they left. Um, he said a lot of it was quite typical at that early point, although you had this added factor of you started to see things like dead bodies. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like that that aspect of it, the the encroaching violence, the those little elements did start to leave him a little bit jaded. Yeah. Um and when he so it's quite hard to tell when he's sort of taking an assumed character an assumed voice and when he's actually speaking about personal experience in the tracks I mean I'm sure you guys figured that one of the things that would make this sort of of more interest to me given my very limited sort of involvement in hip hop and rap is that it's very political Mm -hmm. it's very intelligent lyricism it's very analytical and quite poetic yeah Um, I I absolutely definitely warm to that 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 made it a lot easier to go with it there's also a sort of knowing sense of like irony and self awareness and sarcasm throughout as well, which mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of hip hop lacks. Yeah, I think he gets off as well on the like I said, even for the fact with the Mugabe thing on the cover. There's it's hard. I tried really hard, obviously, to to work out you know how earnest is that, and I think there is an element of trolling in that. I think mm-hmm. you know to some extent he has a sympathy with how Mugabe set out you know and the and what he was hoping to achieve or professed to hope to achieve, uh, but also is. Uh, realistic and how far short that fell but I think there's almost an element and you, you mentioned this actually last week when we said we were going to do this that he I think he likes to antagonise when it comes to racial issues from a constructive sort of angle of trying to elicit conversation mm-hmm. uh, and critique you know, yeah I think he's he, asking he, questions rather than yeah he's, 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 he is statements. trying to provoke a lot of the time but yeah. provoke in a sort of intelligent manner or just a way that makes you talk about something a bit more meaningful rather than dross and, and like I appreciate that as well so I, I didn't want to take anything too literally he definitely comes across as a really smart guy uh, so it'd be kind of stupid to sort of you know not interpret irony into a lot of these things because it's clearly there mm-hmm. so can I ask one thing though right so uh, he's been involved in a whole bunch of projects yeah um, and his first record was a record called Camouflage Times of feelings mad strong Almost enough to pick up the phone Billy watch what you think Finish that drink Get the optics pink Life is written in ink It dries before you blink That's my inner shrink Which he Yeah which was like a sort of really long Like that was more of a mixtape Rather than a studio album But yeah Yeah and it was a long time in development And he set up that backwards recording Is that right? Uh, yeah, which is which is still going on. Yeah, so he set that up though, really, to initially release that. Mm-hmm. There's a record after that. Is that under his own name, or is that one of the side projects, or is that like an album versus a mixtape? I couldn't really quite. To uh, be honest. Uh, do you mean the Chalice? The Chalice is the second one, maybe. Or I couldn't quite delineate what was under his name, Billy Woods, and what was under different projects. Yeah, well, I mean, Camouflage was released in 2003 and then re-released. Again, with maybe some additional tracks, I think. I think he counts the Chalice as his official, like, debut record. Oh, right, okay. Uh, And everything that came before that was, like, mixtapes and EPs. So Camouflage would be a sort of ex-military type vibe. Yeah, 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 totally. And then after the Chalice, he ended up spending, like, sort of six or seven years being in bands, actually, being in, like, collectives. Uh, The Reavers released a record called Terra Firma in 2005 and that was like very political hip hop what's called Armand Hammer as well yeah he's been part he's worked with Armand Hammer a lot and and then like a lot of the 2000s was taken up with the the Chiron no the Super Tron 
or Cron yeah, Fight Collective. Yeah, I didn't uh, that, yeah, and he released like three records with them, I think, maybe in a four. row. Or so. Yeah, quite. A, yeah, so that was between like 2007 to 2010. Um, kind of funky, kind of angry sort of stuff. He put his hands on my mom, and all I wanted for Christmas was a gun. Watch the blood spatter. Don't trust anyone. Billy Woods is definitely like the star of that of that band, mm-hmm. um, and it's interesting that it doesn't sort of it limits his personality, even though he was still faceless in them as as well as being faceless in his own stuff. So he'd released the Chalice in two thousand four, which as his sort of proper debut studio album is actually a really really good record I think I see dead people photo albums and dribble pages rusting gilded cages oxymoronic like slave wages pressure build till it cracks gauges swallow pride mouthfuls of razors sort of mixture of funk and aggressive a sort of definite like MF Doom sort of vibe going on it's got some really good uh, tracks on it I think my favourites are Capture the Flag, Damage, Cross My Heart. Um, I know he, he got, I mean, there's a lot of different names that get dropped in and out of uh, reviews of his work and stuff, but one that mm-hmm. kept coming up was KRS One. Yeah, 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 definitely. Aye, he's, he's an interesting character in that he seems to be an outsider even in alternative hip hop. Yeah, they called it a prog hop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and on that 2004 record, the beats are quite interesting. He shows that he's like definitely aware of like some good interesting production. There's also some like properly kind of dated old-fashioned sort of vibes on it as well. Um but some really good hooks and some really great lines. And then I don't think he's shown off to his uh, maximum capability in these acts over the next few years. Yeah. And then he comes back in 2012 with this, with this history song. will yeah. absolve me. And then he's done four records since then, actually. He's actually released two this year. in 2019. What was the first one of this year? Uh, it was called uh, Hiding Places. Yeah, hiding Places. The whole operation underwater. It's only one God. What we said in Torah The bombs are on us. The bombs are on us. Came back to God like... Motherfucker, you promised. You promised. I'd seen a couple of reviews that said that that's debatably his best record as well. That it was a really strong release. Uh, yeah, I mean, funnily enough, so he released uh, Dower Candy in 2013, which was like way less political and much more sort of reflective record. Ironically, his first ever uh, Pitchfork review was for that. Uh, was it? Yeah, yeah. I, funnily enough, um, History Will Absolve Me came out in 2012, sort of same time as Ex Military and uh, like Danny Brown and all this like alternative hip hop, but he never got the Pitchfork review until a year later and they sort of realised that they maybe missed the boat on that one. Um, um, see, going back to some of that early stuff just very quickly, another reference that comes up a lot is Cannibal Ox. These niggas is nice. Apocalypse, top of propaganda, force for the populace. My thoughts run the gamut from outstanding to preposterous. On top of this, I move posterior from impoverished posture. A process accomplished. And the album Cold Vein, which is like a total underground classic, especially yeah, for this yeah, kind of like. Probably going to go up for nomination on this podcast. Yeah, I mean, I have to admit, if I was ever going to nominate a hip hop thing, it would probably be that. Aye. But. Uh, Vordo Mega, one of the members of Cannibal Ox, played quite a big part in his early years. Yeah. He actually, Vordo, so Vordo Mega, he, he credits him as being very, very supportive early on, and he appeared on Camouflage quite heavily, I think. He was in quite a number of tracks. But he'd actually done an audition. Uh, uh, it was at the, the audition thing, or the initial recording thing, was at Electric Lady Studios. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, he was describing that process as being like really dispiriting. Because he got invited along to this thing, and there was a manager, and then a couple of other kind of entourage people, and an engineer. And he said every time he went to drop this verse in this recording, the engineer would just cut him off until he'd do it again. And then he'd try it again, he would do it again. And he said he was getting loads of side eyes from the entourage, and just he, he walked out of there feeling really downtrodden. And questioned, you know, maybe I'm just really not cut out for this. But he said, like you said, Vordo Mega kind of pumped him up a wee bit again, got him back on the horse. Uh, he ended up doing that first record with his support. But it, it's interesting because it was shortly prior to History Will Absolve Me coming out, he said he'd had a little bit, 
of a crisis of confidence and this felt like a make or break thing yeah because Backwoods had been going for a while it wasn't easy because they'd apparently the distribution deal they got it just prior to the kind of collapse of uh, their distributor I think collapsed 18 months after they got the distrib- distribution mm-hmm. deal and then that is at the point that all the money was draining out of the system in like 2004 2005 that kind of era uh, so he, he was really unsure if this was something he was going to be able to pursue long term the album did kind of take and did get a, a good response and that kept him in it and mm-hmm. has kept him in it since but it is interesting how many times he's felt a little bit unsure if this was his calling but yeah so uh, it, it just seems like, like Vordo Mega and Cannibal Ox as well as being reference points in a lot of different uh, conversations about his work, uh, played a big part in the in the, in the early years. Yeah, absolutely. Thing. And like, funnily enough, Silverado Mega was part of the the Reavers um, in that 2005 record. It's interesting to see who he's worked with, both MC wise and production wise. And in fact, uh, that Dark Candy record deferred from other records in that he only used one producer on that. It was like straight up this guy called Blockhead. Who's That's right, he did yeah, really good. It. And it's quite a cohesive record. It is good. Scorpion Ricketts, just another mission from the edge of irrelevance. I've been on that Ralph Ellison. Nowadays, flow meticulous, ridiculous embellishments. They said it's easy money, but I just can't trust it. She said I love you. Okay, I just think it, ASAP Rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, I think ASAP Rock's on that record. I think yeah. he's got a feature on it, and I really like the production. I just don't think it's quite got the vitality or like the urgency of uh, a couple of his other records. Um, Full enough. If I was going, I was torn between History Will Absolve Me and then 2015's Today I Wrote Nothing. Looking like the one that got away, survivor's guilt like runaway slave. Dad's coughing in the house for two days, Lennon lying in state. Grab the gats, had a fucking parade, ticket tape on the graves, smoke like grease. Which is, I think, is just a fucking really great That's record. a good album, man. There's some mm. massive tracks on that. Um, it's sort of less focused than history but there's just so many ideas going on and I think that's where he works is like pulling in different producers and getting loads of different ideas happening if you like this record then you should definitely go listen to that one as well it serves sort of multiple listens I think you find lots of stuff going on what swung you on this one though? I just think the political message of it and it's got some fucking great tunes on it and I think it was as I say, that sort of make or break record for him. He'd been away. He'd released, you know, a good uh, debut album and a mixtape. Then he'd gone and done stuff in sort of groups and then just come back with this fucking vital record, I think, that is pro. I think history has proven him right. Uh, not absolved him, but it's like sort of made it more pertinent. I mean, do you think, like, first, can actually, can we clear up just a little detail? Because I know there's multiple versions of this. So, I, didn't, I think I didn't the 18, I think the 18 track version was the one that was released originally. And then was there was a vinyl reissue this year, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, vinyl reissue with an extra track that featured, um, Open Mike Eagle. Open Mike Eagle on it. Right, so I've got the version you've got, David. Uh-huh. Yeah. And there's, then, there's a twenty track version which has got Vordo Mega at the end on the darkness as well. So yeah. The darkness as well. Right. So okay. but I think we're gonna talk about the eighteen track version, like the original release. Although that track with Open Mike Eagle is actually re- really good. Mm. Okay, see so just um, to avoid quoting wrong numbers then, I'm just gonna name the tracks by name when, mm-hmm. when it comes to that because I don't actually know for sure if the sequence was changed or if it was just added on the, the end. The sequence yeah. wasn't changed. One was added in what we can talk it about. It was added in at seventeen. One was added in the end. Yeah. Um I mean I think I mean even just the eighteen tracks, one of the things that does stick with me is that it's a very dark tone to this album. It's not like mm-hmm. a particularly danceable album. There are a couple of good moments in it in terms of obvious kind of potential bangers albeit the BPM is just a little bit sluggish yeah. for that kind of thing but I found it um, so I mean an analogy would maybe apply is like it was a bit like watching American football with me right so I'm not an American <laughs> football fan yeah. but every so often something happens that it's exciting you can really appreciate or it, you're yeah. like wow look at what that guy did or fucking hell that's, that's amazing right Yeah. but also it's far too fucking long Aye. and I think that's how I felt about this I was like I did enjoy bits of it I, I, I could really appreciate the skill and the production of it was was cool I liked the tactics if you know what mm-hmm. I mean but I found it dragged well, on well do you know what I think that's something that he hasn't got away from on any of his records 
Um, well, his new one, uh, the one with Kenny Segal, what was that called again? Uh, oh, yeah, Hiding, Hiding Places. Places. That's that's quite succinct in comparison to a lot of his other stuff. Yeah. It's 47 minutes long, that. Um, the, today I Wrote Nothing was, for me, the other contender, and it's a similar length, and it's got, you know, like, 19 tracks, I think. Yeah. I think I struggle um, with that. Where, I mean, I struggle with hip-hop. I'm anyway, totally the same, obviously. to be honest. If, yeah. like... There was 12 amazing tracks on the... Or if he'd, like... He could easily cut five of the more, sort of, classic hip-hoppy tracks. And I, we can, like, go through the tracks um, one by one. But there's, like, just a few that I don't think reach the level of interest or excitement that the peaks do. Mm-hmm. I think it's quite interesting, um, um, just in terms of this podcast, right? Because when we've picked hip-hop records, for the most part, they've been shorter ones. I think yeah. the longest one we've probably done is Public Enemy, and that album is too long anyway. Yeah. The other ones have been like P.O.S., which is a short record, or mm-hmm. um, LP, which is quite a short record, Sage Francis, etc. Which maybe reflects um, your sensibilities. I think so. Like, uh, yeah, I definitely. It's I'm a- the same as you guys. Like, uh, When a hip-hop record like goes over the 50-minute mark, you're going to struggle to hold my attention. You just are. Because there's stuff that definitely doesn't need to be on there. And I know, I know a big staple of hip-hop is the records are long anyway. Like, that is a huge thing. Like, they're, they're just expansive samplings of every single skill this artist has or every single producer that they love the beat of and they just, like, slap some words on it. That's definitely a feature that perhaps maybe we don't quite... Re- doesn't quite resonate with yeah, us. Yeah, three metal or punk fans. Yeah. Are you saying that white guys usually prefer what? them shorter? <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, and that, that also trickles down to like hip, white hip hop artists as well, though, because they also do like long hip hop records as well. I think it's just inner tradition, to be honest. Um, so, well, I mean, I guess the easiest way for me to approach it was I just there was three tracks on this that really jumped out to me. The rest I was fine with, and I really yeah. admire the political ambition of it. I love the antagonism of it, and you know, I've got a fucking loads and loads of time for people doing hip hop and rap that are kind of staying true to that sort of meaningful punk rock spirit of it where it's actually fucking relevant to people's yeah. lives um, rather than just being this horrible aspirational fucking QVC of, of yeah, yeah, audio you know um, so I mean if you guys go through the track list I, I can only really interject with the ones that really jumped out and why they jumped out yeah sure thing so we start off with High Tide a Miss Enigma you thought I would sing probably I'm deep in the drink sloppy we get a couple bars and cheap Which is like a sort of long intro. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It feels like a but, long intro. Um, yeah. yeah, it's got like proper dark horror movie synths, mm-hmm. like cut up drums. I really like the production on this. Uh, yeah, the beat, the beat is cool, man. It's such a like, and the, the sample at the end really adds to the, uh, the easy atmosphere of like bringing you into the record. Yeah, there was, there was a lot of like chat about like Bomb Squad influence on the beat work in the album. Aye, absolutely. I, I got a lot more LP out of that than anything else, to be honest. Uh-huh. I, like, this is the most LP sounding record that I think he's got because it's got a lot more electronic influence and yeah, those I, kind I, of droning yeah, things did, going on. There was a comparison, is it Def Jux that he, mm-hmm. he started? Yeah, there was yeah. a lot of like references to that as well in the discussion of the sound, yeah. Um, Crocodile Tales is kind of more like low-key death grips, I would say. No favors, Oakland Raiders, Empire in the climate, still got plenty of paper. Pennywise, pound foolish, bring them out to Muhammad, move pound stupid. Acapellas, the beef chopped it and looped it, doing some minor keys, balls. Yeah, I, it's like got that analog, like live drum sound, like, sort of welcome to this. He's like now... This could be an angry record, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and you can tell. And it's uh, interesting. Like this is like lyrically, like this is your first one of. Is this who he is, or is he playing a character? I'm not quite sure. Like what the narrative of this record's going to be, but um, I mean, there's a bit of violence in here, but it's not like, it's not like gangster violence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like real, sort yeah, of working class violence. The hook is cracking in this as yeah, well. It's really cool. It's a really good song. I think yeah. it's like a a big sort of start after that intro the one thing I think we'll, I'll probably come to this a couple of times when we talk about the rest of the tracks but I found this flow to be quite inconsistent see when it's um, when it's on point it's fucking great yeah but sometimes he tries to do like maybe something of a character something a bit different and Aye. it doesn't really quite land for me an example which is not that is the next song The Man Who Would Be King which is a total jam I, this was the first track I heard I think of from this record and by him I think it's fucking amazing mm-hmm. like I had this in a little 
2012 playlists along with like Death Grips and a couple other of like fucking hip hop I'm really fucking into yeah. and, uh, the theme is awesome as well man it's about it's obviously about colonialism but it's yeah. about how like, nobody won in Africa the Europeans didn't win yeah. and Africans just certainly didn't fucking win yeah. it's all about like kind of push and pull and it's got that sample from um, Empire of the Sun that's Christian Bale singing yeah. in that sample and Empire from Empire of the Sun which is, which is a really cool kind of I suppose a film that's a bit about colonialism that's in itself right so it's mm-hmm. a nice little nice little smart nod to that I think and uh, yeah, I just I love that f- the old movie sample as well. I think like the Mogambo, um, and it's just, uh, to me it just sounds really fucking vital and urgent. Yeah. And it's like um, I'm just like keeping keeping looking over at Chris to see if oh does he like this one? Does he like- <laughs> <laughs> no, he's keeping it stim on this yeah. one. Uh, then track four, Cash for Gold. I think this is great. I think it's great, man. I, it's, I love the narrative of it. It's like yeah. it's almost like deconstructing like the black pop music mess. Like yeah. this is what happens when you actually get the strippers and you know you get the fucking cash and all the gold shit and it's, yeah, like, totally. it's worth fucking nothing. You know, and I love that. It's and great. it's like so anti like the normal hip hop narrative yeah, totally. of you know of bling. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's, it sounds pure sleazy with that whomping bass as well. It sounds yeah. like you're outside the outside the strip club, <laughs> you know. And it's like that's kind of the the vibe you're getting. And the sample's it's fucking great as well. I love yeah. it. Uh, next up, body of work. Exhausted. I pray my sins don't fall upon my offspring. Grown man pants, wallets and IDs, health insurance policies, wallabies and collard greens. Eating right, these define the things in life. Uh, track five. That's a great song. That's that is, a great sample as see, well. The, the tambourine, it sounds like this chain rattling from the, Aye, like, totally. from the sample at the start, which I thought was super smart. Man. I think like the, the main thing that makes that song stand out as as a newbie, like a total newbie, it's really easy to get into that one because the beat is so direct. Yeah, and I mean it's like so, mega slow, but it's fucking it's great. Just, it's really it's really strong and catchy and fucking yeah. dead easy to just. You know, it, it just pulls you in from across the room, and I think that was one of the easiest ones to sort of really tune into. And I also uh, love the old school like jazz flute, yeah, uh, coming the jazz, in and out. Yeah, that I'm like, that totally takes yeah. you back to like smoky clubs and mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, so I think musically that one made a lot of sense based on my uh, my sort of sensibilities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, then next up, we've got the foreigner. It didn't really land for me this one. I see. This is like one of the first one. Well, this is the first one on the record that I'm like, this is like an old school sort of. Filler mm. hip hop track, yeah, totally. Call it fake, rolls like a pipe head on a crack stem when Bodine's hit the gate. Night riders in reconstruction, gentrification, crackers got suction, righteous among the nations. Hebrews bailed him out, Cody's hit the state pen, staying with my ex. Um, and yeah, for me, this is definitely one that if it wasn't there, I wouldn't mind at all. Mm. Hey, it's it's fine, it's good. It's just one of these tracks that's like average sample, like it flows good, but you know. Um, Could have done without it, really. Yeah, exactly. But then it moves on to Bill Cosby. DVD got special features. GOD got them short snagger heaters. Choppers, egg beaters. Arms long enough to box with GOD. But the enemy watch for blast beaters. Roadside bomb blast caught your son in beamers. Went to Walter Reed and he ain't want to see. Which is weird, man. I really like it. I, really, I, I have to admit, I, that's a good that, song. Yeah. That isn't one of my three, but I did. I just think it was. A, it's good. The, 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 the beat is like pure twisted and jaunty. It's like weird jaunty. It's yeah, like, you know, it's like oh, you know something about the song that's it's dead weird. Maybe as a reference point, but the piano line in it, coupled with the drums, is almost like a paper chase song. You know, John Congleton's mm-hmm. band. Mm-hmm. That really yeah, yeah. jaded, sort of like slightly creepy, sinister kind of like yeah. The key that it's played in that yeah. it's very odd, mm-hmm. and it really reminded me of almost almost like the first thirty seconds of a paper chase song before it kicks in. It's yeah. Anyway, that's what it. It's, the thing that, that that really struck me about it is like it's just super fucking depressing. It's, it is mega depressing, <laughs> and it's like it's funny. It's not actually about Bill Cosby, really. It's just about like not the American dream, but about family life and mm. what what it re- what it's really like, rather than this sort of you know sitcom dream or whatever. Yeah. Uh, when did Bill show? break? Um, I must have been like fourteen or fifteen. I think. Yeah. I, so, I mean, like it, it was, was going around for years, though. Like it was like yeah. Okay, I think like, he may well have use that in a sort of knowing wink as a title mm-hmm. much like you know people knew about Jimmy Savile yeah I suppose um, 
but yeah and it's funny it's like that piano riff to me seems because it's kind of one of the ones that you could dance to maybe on the record but i mean as long as you didn't listen to the lyrics <laughs> um but then it's also like that piano riff is kind of like a sort of prelude to kendrick lamar humble with that really simple piano riff mm-hmm. but it's just a little bit more weird and wonky and uh, slightly just uh, disturbing yeah yeah definitely yeah i mean so, if that was played on like a music box it would be fucking creepy as fuck mm-hmm. totally <laughs> right, yeah. definitely uh then next up we've got track eight I think, which is a Friedman's Bureau. You like this one, Chris? Don't care. I like this one, I really like it. It's fucking great on this song, man. Yeah. The the layers of synth kind of like build up on top of each other but it's got like a kind of trap beat as well which kind of differentiates it from the rest of the records and then the hook is kind of really distorted and a bit twisted and messed up and and it's the first time he did lucid in the record as well and I actually quite like his flow it's the first time I'd ever heard him like I'm probably going to go and listen to him actually. Yeah, this. I like as he done a few things throughout his discography and like a lot of his stuff's really cool on it mm-hmm. actually. Um, but yeah, and I, I like the lyrics on that. They're like his idea of he doesn't quite fit into gangster life, you know, as an immigrant and doesn't fit in with other immigrants and stuff like that. But yeah, uh, then next up after that we've got Blue Dream, I believe. Bed, not sleeping, she teasing, legs spread, mouth wet, seasonal fruit, stuck in my head like the perfect blue, slow burn, smoky eyes, low she dies, suddenly realizing you're alive, like one day I'm gonna die, but right now I'm alive. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think this is a best song. I really yeah. like this, yeah. That's great, yeah. It's got a very LP vibe, the production on this. Like the, yeah, great wee synth, yeah. like, mm-hmm. it feels really big. That, the the kind of, the root synth, like the kind of basis of the song is really strong, mm-hmm. but also those little kind of augmented flutters. The yeah. high end synth flutters are really effective. Yeah, it's like a bell like um, thing almost. It's just a, yeah, it's just a really yeah. well modulated little little tone. You know you have me from the very start. Um the the backward tapes thing. That, that brings it in and runs throughout is a really good touch, I think. It's yeah, got some bits of like 8-bit synth in it as well, which kind of just jump in and out, which is like really cool too. Again, the, the beat's really straightforward, but the roominess in the beat gives it a lot of energy. Yeah. I think it works really well where it is in the record as well, because it's kind of got that major key part to it, and it kind of breaks up quite how oppressive the record is. It totally have done without the female vocal though. Uh, I, I think it looks good. I, I quite it like it. Lifts, yeah. I think it lifts the record at this yeah. point. I feel it, it kind of leans into a bit of a trope, but you know, for, fuck Dano. <laughs> uh, then next up, we've got DMCA, which is another sort of old school one. This is maybe one that I could have lived without as well. I, I liked the kind of, I totally had that Def Jocks feel, that early, that early 2000s like, like indie hip hop kind Aye. of vibe, which I quite liked. Yeah. And I, I love the scratching at the end, man. It's properly cliche at this point. But Aye. It's got energy. Yeah. It definitely brings energy. Um, and then after that, we've got Pompeii, which like slows it right back down. It's all broken and dramatic. Thrice, the ghost came past present future. Price on the dome, so chunky anyone could be the shooter. Then lay low as you lie down. Uneasy is the hand that rocks the crown. I, I like it's this. like a callback to the man who would be king almost, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I totally. It's, the, the, I've written here like it's so it's really menacing. It actually feels like a tension just before a jump scare in a horror film. Aye, song. totally. Like, uh, yeah, I'd written that it's got a, like horror movie vibes again. Yeah, yeah. Um, which kind of go back cool, to. Yeah. Um, first track as well mm-hmm. uh, then Duck Hunt I 
I just got some this cool is samples. <laughs> this is yeah. number three for me. Uh, I really like that. Um, I thought, but obviously, the, the the novelty of the kind of whole NES duck hunt. That didn't even last when I first heard it. It's a kind of playful talk, one of the most playful bits Aye. in the whole record, which is quite serious mm. overall. But the squelchy synth in this one is dead well chosen. It's a proper 90s throwback sound. Aye, totally. Uh, it just it just really works, man. Yeah. It's got some booty in it, and uh, the, the trumpet lines in it are brilliant mm. as well. Talk about pussy like you try to convince me. Go ahead, dog. See how close you and your niggas be. Self-described pretty jeans with fly bitches on their tweets. But me, I'm the latte rest your own. I think maybe the common theme here is it's another straighter beat I like the straighter beats I think they're really effective in it mm-hmm. but it's got a slightly darker vibe to it even though it's got that playful intro it's got a darker kind of instrumentation to it and it's just got a, a fair bit of groove mm-hmm. which I think some of the tracks in it like, like I said I, I don't I mean it's not something I'm particularly in the market for anyway but I don't think a lot of it has a particularly danceable you know you don't feel compelled to kind of get moving but this one has a, a bit more to it mm-hmm. yeah yeah. Uh, then after that, we've got the well, uh, I like the name of this Nigerian email. Uh, which is another sort of dark and heavy one. Everybody's I think had a Nigerian email. Yeah, absolutely. Prince. And this is another one where I think he's definitely playing a character. Mm hmm. Aye, yeah, I like this track. I like it. It's, it's, it does. I think is that a flute thing? Maybe like from Nigerian like traditional music. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. And it's got a tribal beat, so it's definitely kind of feeling like it is. Aye, we should put on one of the many Nigerian god channels uh, high up. In the, oh yeah, in the no, sky. I was enjoying that. The range. Yeah. Uh, then after that, we've got uh, pump, pump up the volume, volume mm-hmm. featuring Lauren Kelly Benson, I believe. School track, mm-hmm. very much so. Cool samples, really nice guitar as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but the hook, the hook is loud and in a different key. It's, it's weird, isn't it? I was listening to it on headphones man. recently, and I was like, "Oh, that just comes out of nowhere." Yeah, it sounds like it's like, do you have another window in your computer it's open? Exactly or something? What I thought I was yeah. checking my phone to see if like is there something playing in the background. Yeah, it's a slightly on? weird <laughs> production thing going on. But it, it, some of the production is a bit meta. There's a couple of bits in this album. If you're listening on headphones, the police sirens really do sound like they're right next Aye, to you. I totally. Are you like? Yeah, 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 you look behind you because it pans right yeah. behind you. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we've got sour grapes. Um, oh, it was famous last words, mate. Oh, famous last words. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Good junk classic in it, and the hook is weird but cool. He's got a double tracked vocal on his hook. Yeah, I like is, how you clearly awesome. were reading off a note there, like, yeah. and the hook is weird but cool. Uh, yeah, <laughs> because it's, it's because it's double tracked though. It sounds like it makes because uh, it's double tracked. It actually makes the hook pop out of the song a bit more than it, I think it normally would. But good flow, man, and great synth as well. So I think famous last words doesn't appear on the eighteen track. I got this on Spotify. I was listening to Spotify. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh. I oh, see, I'm slightly confused. This then. is why I abdicated all responsibility oh, for numbering. Uh-huh. Yeah, fair play. Uh, <laughs> then, it's then it's Sour Grapes, yeah. which to me I think should have ended it. Say what you mean if you don't know, shut the fuck up. Cash rules everything, red a thing, cold and cold off that ease. Madam Machine, Computer Spring, honest for leave and favorite days. Make the change you want to see to you. I think I think you're right, man. Yeah, uh, I think it's a good track, mm-hmm. and it's kind of like, oh, this is why I'm angry. This album hasn't been for nothing. Kind of explaining it all, mm-hmm. uh, wraps it up nicely, well, wraps it up nicely, mm-hmm. uh, ties it up nicely, and then you kind of come back with human resources, which is just a sort of it's like an old school kind of proper old school, yeah, a pop song, yeah, yeah, and it's fine. It's good. It's like a good track, but I'm like, if you're cutting tracks off this record, which I think you probably should, then that would be one of the, mm-hmm. the three or four to go. Uh, and then the wake. 
anyway and toasted that night over pounds. Sterling, whispers and whirlwinds, Polaroid pictures, edges curling at the auction. The contents of one storage space, sight unseen. Is the final track on the Spotify version. Yep. Uh, which is a very surprisingly upbeat track. Yeah, given how awful the lyrics are. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's really, called The Wake. Yeah. It's pretty dark. It's but, like, um, it's, it's almost like subverting the idea of a wake. Like, you go to a wake to, like, like eulogise somebody and he's just yeah. saying, oh, this guy's life is fucking garbage. Like, yeah. He's a bad, bad person. <laughs> it's got a, a really laid-back vibe as well. It's like, totally plays with it, the theme of the song, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good track. I probably wouldn't have finished on it, um, but we'd had it in there. And then, yeah, then his track with Vordo Omega... The Darkness yes, yeah. appears on the special or re-released edition. Mm-hmm. Oh, which is pretty cool. It sounds totally different to the rest of the record. Yeah, man. it doesn't really fit. Yeah, it's very sample heavy. Yeah. Which old school. Mm-hmm. Which I like, but yeah, I can see why that would have been left off. Yeah. The original release. Um, so yeah, that's the record. Um, for me, why did I choose this record? Because to me, I mean, fuck, it's like a hip hop record with Robert Mugabe on the front. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's no getting away from the fact that it's unsung. Uh, I think you can't really. I think he's definitely unsung, and I think this is unsung overall. I think for me, like hip hop is, it kind of lives in two worlds for me. It's like either really good lyrics or. I listen to the production and you know don't really give a fuck about it. Fun time, yeah, fact. exactly. For me, this like gets a lot of some like POS. It works on both levels for me. I really love the music and I also really mm-hmm. love the message and the lyrics. Like the beats and the production are great, and I just think he's a really fucking interesting character. I think it's interesting that he feels like an outsider in hip hop in many ways. Uh, he feels like an outsider in America. He felt like an outsider in Zimbabwe. Yeah, and I just, I mean, I think he's got a whole lot of shit in his discography that's worth checking out. And I think this is probably the record that's got the clearest message. I mean, it was in 2012, it's at the height of Obama mania, mm. when everybody thought, oh, guys, racism is over. He references that quite a lot in this record, yeah. as well, which we didn't really mention, but he talks about the whole Obama thing and... Patsy's comment on how like by the way guys racism is definitely not over yeah you know and, and I, I, I think cool. like that was maybe a reason why it was kind of not picked up when it came out was people weren't up for a you know a critique of politics when they were sort of in the the Goldilocks zone yeah it was sort of tone deaf Aye. even if the tone was pretty naive yeah totally so yeah and as with many hip hop records I think it could be shorter yeah um, I'd also yeah I'd highly recommend going and checking out today i wrote nothing for me is got some fucking amazing bits on it but i think this is just a really sort of urgent record um it's got some really cool stuff on it i think he's a really interesting character yeah i mean okay so guys like me that are really into music but haven't become particularly invested in hip-hop one of the big alienating factors is from my ignorant admittedly ignorant perspective it's just saturated with dumb stupid time music Mm -hmm. more so than the, the, the early days of it which seem you know a lot more vital and a lot more relevant and interesting and I think certainly if we amplified more of the people on the fringes of it with more interesting things to say and, and perhaps more kind of unconventional approaches such as his such yeah. as POS people like that people like me would be more involved in it maybe not but I, th- I think we probably would because musically it does make a lot of sense I think I'm just shaking off a lifetime of being really turned off I mean if you were thing, if you know. were brought up in another city then this would be a thing that you could totally get into mm-hmm. I think just being in Glasgow yeah, and I've no doubt this is where I would have gravitated to so uh, maybe an interesting thing and to your credit as well when I came here I was like I think I'm going to spoil my ballot in this one but hearing you guys talk about it yeah you've talked me around so I'm going to I'm going to put it in great yeah I fucking loved it man I'm not yeah. going to lie I, I enjoyed it so much even even just in an ambient like sense yeah like having in the background I was just like bits were just jumping out to me man yeah um, that's for me like even like the sort of filler tracks are still like good in the background in the car mm-hmm. or whatever I think it's like a great record to stick on but then if you are going to delve deep into it there's like so much depth in it and like it's fucking abrasive at times and it's aggressive and depressing but like it's great it's not obnoxious as well which I'll, like Chris says a lot of hip hop can be Aye, yeah, and it's just, it's definitely not. He's I I I not I admire the fact that he's a guy with a message. Mm-hmm. 
but it's not preachy. No, like I think we've it's not done. Like Enemy. Yeah, we've done political hip hop where it can be preachy and doesn't have a sense of humor. Um, but this, like, this is a sarcastic record. Um, and I'll, yeah, so I'll yeah, go that with the cover. The cover, yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> fucking sarcastic. And like, I love. I also just love like the fucking text that's put on it. You know, it's like it's not a fancy font and it's not small. Mm. It's like the text looks slightly too big and in congress and it's just like whacked on billy woods history will absolve me fucking bobby mcgabby right <laughs> bring it on so uh aye there you go history will absolve me it's got billy woods. It's i think got, it's got, it's got, got going. Going. Um, it's the definition of an unsung record by mm-hmm. an unsung artist i hope you did it justice with your nexus this is the first time we're seeing nexus tonight will it be the last what do they have in store this for us Why am I here? You're in the Nexus. This is the Nexus. For you, this is what you want. Yes, so our Nexus was chosen by Mr. Kenny Bonella. Hello, Kenny. Um, And he went for Alan Hansen. (laughs) And I don't think you could go from a blacker person to a whiter person. (laughs) Um, Me? uh, Well, (laughs) nah, you're blacker than Alan Hansen I'm you don't play car. golf uh, he's got a handicap of three I know he's a, some fucking what? player so for those of you who don't know uh, Alan Hansen was a Scottish footballer who played for Liverpool famously in the 80s when they were the best team in the world and he was one of the best defenders in the world yeah and he became a fairly famous pundit afterwards. yeah he was very well known in the 90s and 2000s he was like one of the match of the day uh, stalwarts stalwarts and he famously yeah, said 2014 didn't he uh, yeah, after yeah. the World Cup, um, which is interesting because he could have kept going on and spitting. He was one of the more interesting ones because uh, he had he was I'm very sarcastic. Unimpressed with the guys uh, at the back there. I I'm not <laughs> sure about the left back. He's uh, he's not got the pace that he used to have. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I've got to get from Billy Woods uh, to Alan Hansen. It sounds like it should be easy just from their names. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it sounds like they you used probably to, live next door. Aye, they share a flat in, in Cumnock. Cumnock, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but aye, so Billy Woods, he's worked with a few different people, and as we mentioned on that record in the first of his two in twenty nineteen, uh, he worked with Kenny Seagal, uh, also known as Syndicate, who's a producer and DJ. Uh, Mixmag described him as one of the best hip hop producers in LA in 2018. So I mean, that's lovely. That means something to someday somewhere. Uh, right. So uh, Kenny Seagal originally played drum and bass at the Concrete Jungle Party in 90, in the 90s, which uh, you would have definitely been doing, Chris, <laughs> had you been brought up there yep. rather than Sterling. Not a doubt in my mind. And at Concrete Jungle, he met rappers from the Project project blood collective uh so the project blood collective was like an open mic workshop and it was uh sort of very influential in an underground hip-hop in the in la in the 90s featured lots of uh, groups mcs and dancers in the southern california area sort of a testing ground for the la independent rap scene and uh reportedly people that attended that uh sort of open mic uh included Ice Cube, Snoop Dogg, and Lenny Kravitz. Uh, Lenny Kravitz. Well, I mean, what do you say about Lenny Kravitz? He's legendary a legendary shagger. Legendary <laughs> shagger. Um, he won the Grammy Award for Best Male Vocal vo- Rock Vocal Performance four years in a row. I didn't realise he was that. He only had two songs, and one of them was a cover. Song, yeah. He's not big here, but like he's uh, he was huge fucking huge in America. America yeah. yeah, so um, he's also uh, married to Lisa Bonet, uh, now known as uh, Lilacoy Moon, what? who, funnily enough, played Denise Huxtable in the Cosby Show. Uh, wow! But also um, went on to act in a few films, including High Fidelity, uh, Enemy of the State, uh, starring Will Smith. 
and also um, Biker Boys. Does anybody remember the movie Biker Boys? I'm unfamiliar with this. this Biker Boys was basically a cash in on the Fast and Furious and Gone in sixty Seconds vibe. I thought that's Uh, what Torque was. It was also it was like a subpar Torque. Fuck. Two thousand three. That's a bad part. About (laughs) underground motorbike motorbike drag racers. It features an ensemble cast, apparently. I mean, here we go. To me, uh, including Derek Luke, Megan Good, Digimon Honsu, Brendan Fear. It also features Lisa Bonet, Lawrence Fishburne, and Kid Rock. Oh. Kid Rock, in I Jinx. think possibly his only act, like real acting appearance. So, I mean, that's a film that we should definitely go watch. <laughs> yeah, quit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kid Rock, a famous right winger, Republican. Uh, I feel like you're getting further away from old Alan here, man. Like, well, I mean, I could go straight in here. Here's Kid Rock playing golf with Donald Trump. Uh oh. So, uh, you know, like the most Kid Rock thing. I know. Uh, Kid Rock actually, he was um, criticised for selling T-shirts supporting Donald Trump that said that showed a map of the US and it labelled the states which had voted against Trump as dumb fuckistan. I heard about that. I heard about that. Uh, so that's cool. Uh, anyway, uh, Donald Trump at one point was uh, married to a Czech American fashion model called Ivana Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, they split up in the mid 90s, I think yeah, it was. After he had affairs. Uh, yeah, they were married from 77 to 91. Uh, Ivana Trump, um, I mean, she must be doing all right. She appeared in Celebrity Big Brother uh, Series 7 yes. in 2010, uh, along with Lady Sovereign, Cisco. Uh, Stephen Baldwin, another famous conservative. Yeah, he is. Uh, Dane Bowers, <laughs> a few others, and a Mr. Vinnie Jones. Vinnie, oh, Vinnie Jones, film star and right wing defender. Was he not defender? Yeah, right wing. No, but I oh mean, no, he was right midfielder. Po- politically right wing. Oh, he was- <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, sorry, sorry, yeah, I got yeah, confused. Easy mistake. Yeah, he was a defensive midfielder. I think actually, I thought he was right back. Uh, well, wow. he was on the right. He played on the right, and uh, he also votes conservative. Um, <laughs> very, very conservative. He shoots foxes. And in 1988, he was part of the famous Wimbledon team, the Crazy Gang, yep. uh, who won the FA Cup final against huge favourites, Liverpool. Uh, and Liverpool were captained by Mr. Alan Hansen. You schleg! Fucking schleg. <laughs> Chris. Take it away. Okay. Um, Billy Woods. The song BBC on the Chalice, uh, which I think stands for Backwoods Broadcasting Corporation, makes reference to war in the Middle East, to oil, and to Iraq and the Iraqi invasion in particular. Uh, that Iraqi invasion was largely enabled by Colin Powell's speech in 2003 to the UN, uh, which cited false evidence from uh, a guy called Ibn al-Sheikh al-Libi, which was extracted under duress after he was subject to something called extraordinary rendition to Egypt by the US military and the CIA, oh, whereby I... they basically sort of arrest you and take you off American soil mm-hmm. to the sort of uh, no-man's-land of airports, and um, what they call CIA black spots, yeah. where they can interrogate you without necessarily anybody knowing the jurisdiction and who can interfere uh, so extraordinary rendition took place across 54 countries although mm-hmm. some way more than others and involved like dozens and dozens of detainees uh, one of the CIA black spots notoriously was Prestwick Airport outside, yeah. outside of Glasgow south of Glasgow also the only place Elvis ever stepped Shut the on fuck the up, UK <laughs> <laughs> uh, Scottish police actually tried to um, inspect a plane that had landed there after somebody at the airport reported it because they felt it was part of this extraordinary rendition and the police were prevented from accessing the plane mm. which caused quite a fuss because they were like but we're in Scotland um, but they were like well you're not yeah. here in the airport it was quite an awkward situation Presswick Airport as you probably haven't heard uh, is the only place in the UK <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> where Elvis Presley ever set foot uh, this was That's in Mar- March the 3rd 1960 for just about an hour uh, during a flight transfer on his way to military service in Germany uh, hence there's an Elvis Presley bar there I think. you can buy a pint for £5.50 or a bacon roll for £7 is that wow is that it yeah. Wow. Um, That's all they sell. <laughs> just bites and bacon rolls. And bacon rolls. <laughs> so, uh, some years later, a musician called Declan Patrick Aloysius McManus 
uh, would decide that that probably wasn't the best name to perform under. So he started calling himself DP Costello, uh, named after his dad's stage name. That mm-hmm. still wasn't the best name to perform under. So he took Elvis from Elvis Presley and became Elvis Costello. Uh, oh, if you've done what I think you've... No, carry on. Uh, yep. I don't know if I have or not. <laughs> uh, and Elvis Costello, uh, Declan Patrick Aloysius McManus, was a massive Liverpool fan. Um, in a 2000 interview, he actually said, uh, it was the kind of banner line of the interview, uh, most people get into bands to meet girls, I got into bands to meet Alan Hansen. <laughs> uh, and in fact, he did, because he was on that uh, Bedeal and Skinner, is it Fantasy Football League? Is that the show that used to be on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stat, stat on it. And yeah, he was photographed in that. He also used to make appearances in Gazette Italia and stuff. But yeah, yeah one of my favourite ever Gazette Football Italia things a big part of my childhood was when Elvis Costello appeared on it and then James Richardson who's famous for his puns uh, went through all the Italian football scores and made uh, Elvis Costello pun about every single one and it was great like Oliveira's army etc it was really good yeah, that's good, clever. Nice. Anyway, James, new stuff. Yeah, so uh, as we've already discussed uh, Open Mike Eagle is on this record and he's worked uh, with uh, Billy Woods a few times Um most recently, Open My Ego contributed some vocals to the song Nice to See You on the new two-door cinema club album called False Alarm. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's underwhelming. <laughs> Ignominious reputation. In Jeez. July uh, 2012, Danny Boyle asked the lead singer Alex Trimble to take part in a 2012 a summer, opening, summer Olympics opening ceremony in London. Something that we've touched upon a few times. Yeah. yeah. And he sang the song Caliban's Dream, which was written Something by... Like Nexus. Yeah. <laughs> written by the guy from Underworld, uh, Rick Smith. Um... And the clothing ceremony it included. It was called the clothing ceremony was called a symphony of British music and included, mm-hmm. as you can imagine, a fucking ton of British artists, including Take That. Yeah, fucking love Take That. Uh, they performed the song "Rule the World," and in that performance, they were not joined by former, then rejoined, then former, and then rejoined. I think then now former again, uh, occasional member Robbie Williams. Yeah, he was not in the band. Uh, Robbie Williams is only four years older than you, Chris. Wow, isn't that weird? What do you want me to say? Though? I don't know. I, I feel like he should be older. I don't know. It makes me feel I feel weird like I should I'm... be younger and then we could just, that'd be the end of it. Yeah, that would be better. You are younger. <laughs> <laughs> All right, carry on, Mark. Sorry. Um, Robbie Williams was the narrator for Hooves of Fire, an episode of the comic relief stop motion animation Robbie the Reindeer, which was directed by Richard Curtis. And one of the characters in that is Alan Snowman, which is uh, basically Alistair McGowan doing an impression of Alan Hansen. Oh, yes. Great work. Mm-hmm. Lovely stuff. There you go. And Alan Hansen is Alan Hansen. So. Job done. He is. Uh, all right. So um, go vote for Billy Woods. Uh, next week, what are we doing, Chris? Uh, I've been waiting to pull the trigger on this for some time. And I think uh-huh. as we approach uh, the end of year special and all that, it's it's one to go for. Um, it is the album When Animals Attack by the band Cable. Okay. Uh, which okay. is genuinely one of the my favourite albums of all time, mm-hmm. but also just a fascinating case study on the music industry and winning and losing and nearly men. There's so many fucking things going on with this band. But first and foremost, that album is absolutely fucking outstanding. Um, and the people that like it, love it. So I think you're probably... Cool. Well, I'm looking it. forward to at least 40 pages of notes on that <laughs> one. I can tell already. Yeah, yeah, perhaps. But the problem is we've got the pop punk live special coming up as well. So yes, indeed. It's a lot of writing. It's, it's a, a lot, lot of writing. writing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, better pick a nexus for that as well. Yeah, right? how we get in... Or who we get into from... The cable. cable. From a little box. If you've got more suggestions for next eye, then please just leave a comment on our Facebook. Yeah. Okay, that's suitably stirred. Yeah, that's stirred. And we are going to get from Cable to, for fuck's sake, Kevin Bacon. No. Oh, okay. There okay. we go. He's getting a bit meta from uh, Tom Russell. Okay. okay. Well, uh, I think he's just kind of cracked the whole point of this, right? <laughs> <laughs> Great. That's um, fine. We can do that. Right. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for uh, calling us on our six degrees of Kevin Bacon yeah. ripoff. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, it's taken is almost two years. <laughs> <laughs> Sound. Well, I have uh, the dog end of a hangover. <laughs> oh my God. You're on day six. <laughs> probably still a little bit of it just swinging there, ready to drop in the water. So, uh, yeah. Okay, well, well it's been a treat. Well. Thanks, bye. Bye, guys. Wanna do some hard shit? Look in the mirror, the nigga rather duck and dodge than pay with mom. Mugging noodles, you bitch.